Welcome to Talking In Stations. It's May 28th. I am Madderall here with the crew. Gonna have a casual night. It's Friday. Go over some news, but also talk about other subjects as well that relate to EVE Online. So welcome to Talking In Stations Friday. With me today is uh, Abby Rova. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. Uh, we also have Nick Bison here with us. Good evening, everybody. Uh, we have Gregorian. Hi. And, of course, Shen, who's been showing up all week and uh, delivering some really cool and interesting stuff. Uh, so that's Hello, the... everyone. Sorry, I yeah. forgot to give you a chance. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Got too excited there. Uh, thanks for joining us again, Shen. Appreciate it. All right. So tonight, uh, well, Abby, I have your image up there on screen. So, um, yeah, I was just going to say that's kind of awkward. Yeah. yeah so it's, <laughs> it's like it could switch you out for something else, I suppose. Let's start. Else on the news. Uh, let's take it from the <laughs> Let's take it from the top and uh, interviews from CCP this week or actually yesterday came. Uh, this was uh, stay three, I guess. It was, Go ahead. Yeah, six hours ago. It wasn't yesterday. All right. Well, here's the schedule, though. They had uh, this morning at, well, sorry, not morning for Europe. It was uh, in the afternoon at 1830. They had... Robert Downey Iron, then at 18.45, so these are only 15 minutes long, Kenneth Feld, then uh, Dutch Gunner at 1900, Rick's Javix at 19.15, and I won't read the dates of the times anymore, but I'll put them in the order. Dr. Spod was on, uh, Gay Pride Boom was on, Brisk Rubal was on, Ron followed Brisk, and Teddy followed Ron. And... Uh, Hurley, Hurley Lex, uh, then followed by Jim Halscott, and it was all capped off with Mike Azaria. So those are the CSM interviews, 15 minutes long, and that was day three. You can check those out at CCP Twitch. Yeah, and the last two days of uh, interviews they did are up there as well. So if you missed any of them or you just want to watch one particular candidate, you can go back and watch the interview. Yeah, we'll check that out. All right. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> so CCP Swift put out a dev, uh, a little, I don't know what this is, post in the forums here. Let's read it. Uh, this is the first time I'm seeing it. Just wanted to give you a quick update. The Stargate Trail Blazers event, which was scheduled to end on 1st of June, has been extended to the 3rd in order to allow more players to compete with the support of Empires and their construction efforts throughout New Eden. So, I believe that one week-long event has been extended a couple days. I think this has something to do with the fact that uh, for the first day there was kind of uh, a few issues with like sites being full and you couldn't get into them. Yep. And sometimes they weren't actually full. So, uh, yeah, it's nice that they've extended it and given people uh, a bit more opportunity to come and join in. I think that's an astute point there, Abby. And if I look, uh, there's a little more here. The competition is heating up as Capsuleers rush not only to gain rewards through the revamped LP store, but also to secure their legacy because you get your name there. The Empires are rewarding the top 10 characters and top 5 player corporations with special monuments placed alongside each new gate celebrating those who contributed the most to their construction. So each gate will have 10 players and five corporations listed. If you're in the top spots, you will be permanently remembered on one of those four gates. Finally, with this event through high, low, and NullSec security, there is still time to make your mark on New Eden. Follow the leaderboard of progress. And CCP Swift gives a link to a CCP Fozzy dev uh, blog where he reports the uh, basically the horse race, who's winning. And uh, should we go through that, Abby? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great. Um, this kind of reminds me of... Uh, the actual Eve monument in, in Iceland, right? At the time, every active account got their name on this monument. Now, if you contribute to help building these gates, 
your name personally or your corporation name will be forever immortalized uh, as helping to build a gate. Great way to... I was going to say, quick aside, uh, Ash just raided us with dang near 200 folk. Yeah, they're watching uh, Ash Jarothi interview CCP Fozzie, so they probably know more than we do right now. Probably a great interview. We'll check it out after uh, this program. But thank you for rating, Ash, and welcome to Talking In Stations, guys. We're going to go through some news and then lounge a little bit and talk about EVE Online uh, in a I don't know, talk radio kind of way. We'll see how it goes. So Keldari State, uh, this is the Haikota Gate. And the top characters, well, I could really entertain everybody by trying to pronounce these names and trip all over them. But I'm just going to let you look at them instead. The top corporations, I could do those. Russian Space Academy, Red Cold Chili Bander Logs Academy, Academia, Red Hot Corporation, Adeptus, Ministrum Ecclesia. Ecclear, uh, Adeptus, uh, no, Gregorin, uh, you can get this, right? It's 40K reference. That's a Warhammer 40k reference. I'm not looking at it right now, but yeah, that's what it is. Okay, so I think it's 40. What is I, it? I, it's I think it's Adeptus Ministorum Ecclesiarches. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Something like that. Ecclesiarches. You see, in Warhammer 40k, the main faction is the Imperium, which is their official church is has two main names that it goes by the. Mm-hmm. The Adeptus Ministorum and the Ecclesiarchy. There you go. That's probably what it is. And then, anyway, so the fifth corporation there is Caldaris Hive. I could so have done great that job. One. All right, sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> great job to those uh, five corporations there. And of course, the 10 players um, working hard getting their names on these stuff. Doing a good job. Keep it up. And you will finish. Uh, remember, you need to. Finish at the top five corporations or the top 10 players for each gate. So those are the guys in the lead right now. Uh, on the uh, Abazon gate, which is a really important gate, uh, I believe Abazon is in Genesis. So there's a, I think there's a couple gates that end in Genesis. Uh, we're looking at this one because it creates a new um, low sec point between two trade hubs. And in doing so, it will create a new Ranser area, basically a choke point for pirates to intercept cargo on ships trying to get to the market through a shortcut. So it's an interesting gate. Uh, but they have top 10 players there. And here's the player corporations contributing to the Abzon gate. The Skunk, An- Skunk Gang, Treglavian Clade, Halo United Nations Space Command, Cats Motel, I like that one, and uh, Terenio. Congratulations, guys. Keep it up. You're not there yet, but good luck. Galente Federation Strategic Material. Uh, this is the Kinnick Gate. Kinnick. Something like that. Uh, let's see if I recognize these names. This is great because I don't recognize these names and that gives me a ton of hope. I'm going to go back real quick. I don't recognize these names. And that gives me a ton of hope that there's a whole class of players that are up and coming and making their mark on EVE Online. So that just makes me super happy. So on the uh, Glente Gate, uh, ooh, look at this. A corporation I understand. The uh, Melov... Malevolon Row Industries. Malevolon Row Industries. I probably said it wrong and I shouldn't have. That is Astrothes Corp, I believe. Uh, Nadir Security Consultants. Isk Industries. That belongs to Spod. Spod. That's Spod's guys. Yeah. He told me they're killing everybody who's competing with them. I guess that's fair if you're in a Mad Max kind of world. Uh, so they're killing people trying to uh, help out while they shovel all the rocks as quickly as possible. In uh, fourth place is Edge of Infinity, and rounding out to fifth place is Founding Flame. That is in the Galente Gate. And finally, the Agaron Gate. Um, I believe this is the Minmatar one, isn't it? Uh, let's see. Again, oh, there's 10 players in there in the lead, and the five corporations are. Uh, f- what? Agaron is the 
other side of the Atlantic Gate. Oh, okay. Uh, thank you. The corporation there is Solar Winds Trade Conglomerate. In second place, uh, Mantra Drones and Puppets Incorporated. And Academy of Space Corporation Keepers of Truth. And finally, the Academy of Russian Federation. I thought we'd seen them before. Yeah, they're a very large corporation, so it's quite possible for them to be on the list for multiple gates because of how many people they have. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Randall, for the uh, Prime. That reminds me, there's uh, some kind of a hype train going on, thanks to the large crowd. If you guys want to use your Prime to support the station, that would be much appreciated. If not, uh, uh, you know, do what you can with the chat and hang out with us. All right. Finally, we have the uh, Ergeris Gate. The Pinord Constellation. This is Minmatar Republic and OMFG Solo Corporation uh, and Ginger, Edge Ginger, and Ginger. Uh, new First Step, Kecko Ban, and Triton Solutions are the corporations winning there. Do they have a top 10? Yes, they do. Okay. And on the other side of it, and this is actually in, uh, this is the other side of the Minmatar gate, because I think this lands in Genesis as well. This is an important gate too, because it creates a, um, basically a route between trade hubs that doesn't have LOSEC in the middle of it. So you can travel safer through this path where this bridge is used. Honestly, I'm not a fan of that idea. I think that since, well, the two there, the four empires are divided into two blocks uh, with the Omar and Kaldari not liking the Galente and Minmatar. It would make sense to have to pass through Losek to get between Omar, Kaldari space and Galente Minmatar space. Hmm. All right. Uh, so this gate has, uh, let's see if I recognize anybody. Nope. Good. That actually makes me feel great. And the uh, corporations are Phoenix Naval Operations. Uh, here's French uh, La Eclaire de Tauceti. Uh, there's uh, Malevolon Row Industries. And uh, First Legion. And then in fifth place, Eagles. Now here in Amar, on the Salmonier Gate, you have the top 10 guys or girls involved in that. And the corporations are River Mining Corporation, Skunk Gang, Bunda, This Was The Way, Oscuro Amenacer. That's Dark Menace, I think, in Spanish. Okay, finally we get to uh, the other side of that gate is in Stain. Dun, 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 dun. And there is nobody. What? There's no yeah, corporations, the... no people. No one appears to be running the sites for the gate in Stain. Stain Gate. No people are brave enough to go into Stain to try to mine to get this gate. The in. problem with going into Stain is that you end up in Stain. <laughs> yeah. It's not there yet, so you get trapped. And, uh, CCP Swift saying uh, Stain residents don't want it done. Um, although they're coming either way. Yeah, so Phoenix Naval Operations is mentioned with one of the gates. Uh, I think the second list of Minotaur on the Minotaur gates, they're a role-playing corporation that has been involved with some on the some of the recent fighting in Pochfen. Hmm. There's been a lot of fighting there. Yeah, that's... I'm, I've been interested in seeing what's going on there. We're going to talk about that on with Arcia, and uh, I think we're trying to arrange an interview with uh, Maldavian, I think. Maldavius. Maldavius. That's what I said. And uh, he's leader of the Strybog, so we'll try to get their uh, perspectives. Sunday we'll talk to Arcia. So here's where the Stangate is going. I don't know if it's easy to see or not. Let me just grab this right there, right here. Time to bust out your tablet. 
Yeah, well, yeah. Get some use out of it. I'm not using my pen, though. That's what I need to use. All right. So uh, this is going to connect across this big old sea of darkness here. I can go down to stain. And stain is basically this area. Normally, you had to go through Providence and then catch, and then you were into stain on the, let's see here, on the far side, there was, I think, Fates, Esoteria. That's a better picture of stain. So the thing about, if you look at it, let's zoom in here. If you look at stain, here's the thing that's deadly about it. <clears throat> it is very much a pipe system. So as you can see, there's one entrance, one exit, one entrance, one exit, one entrance, one exit. There's really no options except to go through these, what we call pipes. It's like a dot to dot. In other areas, you can see you come into an area and you have all kinds of different ways to go. So you can kind of run around uh, gate camps. But when you're in this kind of a place where there's really no option except to go through here, you have tons and tons of gate camps in that scenario because People know you're coming in that direction. So stain is incredibly deadly. Uh, that's one of the reasons it's deadly. Another one is has pretty bad jump range, I think, for and no centralized system to be able to kind of conquer all of it at once or whatever. You can't really conquer stain because it's uh, NPC. Um, but if you were doing capital operations there, it's probably a little harder. And I don't know, stain for me has great, really great bad memories. Of, uh, trying to take Esoteria impasse and catch. We came in. I think I was in Dead Terrorists at the time. We were working with Initiative and Dead. Um, uh, who am I thinking of? Nick, you were part of what alliance? Why can't I think of the name? Circle of oh, Two. Oh, CO2 when we were down in impasse. Yep. Yeah, Circle of Two. And, uh, and then there was Dead Terrorists who were trying to kind of move up. They were low sec, but they were trying to move up. And we literally couldn't even go to the market to buy an afterburner for our fits because we moved down there without equipment. We had to move really fast to be a part of this thing. So we got there without a lot of equipment and our logistics was terrible. And so we had to literally cannibalize each other's wrecks. Uh, so if somebody died, they would be like, hey, give me my stuff back. There'd be, people would be like, nope, I, I need that. So it was a great, terrible time of taking things from each other inside your own alliance. And now they're living in a wormhole. And now they're a wormhole group, yeah. Well, that was back when well, they were pretty early on. Well, Slain Stain uh, essentially occupies the region. So that means it has the kind of intact armor plate, which is one of the best um, relic sites that you can do to, 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 to get the uh, intact armor plate from. So one is the armor, one is in Stain, and the other one is in Venno, which is up in the north. So maybe after Stain, we can have an Empire Gate from, I don't know, Forge or Citadel to Venno. So you can balance out the price for both the armor and the shield relics. Great remark from uh, CCP Aurora. So flying through Stain always feels like having to walk through sketchy back alleys Avoiding making eye contact with yeah, the people totally. in the shadows. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, walk quietly, walk fast, put your head down and go. <laughs> it was horrible, uh, but it was but it was fun. It was some of the best some of the best most memorable times in Eve Online are usually when you're most miserable, uh, which is when people say like, "Hey, if you're not having fun in Eve Online, why are you playing?" And I'm thinking. That's when you play Eve online when you're not having fun. That's that's when you're going to remember all that stuff, all that, all that good pain. Okay. So oh, those are the uh, gates, and we ended up looking at stain there at the end. Uh, maybe somebody will be brave enough to get their name on the stain gates. At least the stain guy could do it, right? I mean, this is like a dream come true for him. Yeah, he's announced that he's deleting his character, it to to mark this event. Okay. Which I don't think is a particularly great decision. I think it would be nice if no one else ran the site and he just did it once and he got his yeah. name on that <laughs> case, the only person on it. Sweep in at the end. <laughs> that would be Clutch so awesome. move. Yeah. It would be like he built I mean, the whole thing himself. 
I, I see a lot of staying guys right now in Esoteria, so I think they're busy in Esoteria than in staying. So that may be why. Who knows? All right. Oh, I'd like to say hi to all the CCPers that were probably watching Astrothi's stream with, uh, I can't say his first real name, but CCP Fozzy. Uh, so CCP Swift, Aurora. I thought I saw Alpha in there. You guys are champs for hanging out with us streamers. Okay, let's go on to see what else we have today. Might be a good time to say that we recorded earlier this week uh, an interview with Aurora and uh, CCP Tiger Shark was her first interview, so she'll be a new base unless you went to eVegas where you might have seen her uh, near the backstage. Uh, and we talked about new players and the Academy website, which they have built. And so we will be showing that on Sunday with the regular program uh, for everybody, just like we did a couple weeks ago. And it was a great interview, lots of fun, and really nice. I wish it could have gone on another hour, so we could have really dove in. We could have taken a dive, I'll say, uh, into how Aurora started playing and how uh, uh, Ash, Ashy or Ashley was uh, Ashy from Ashy in space. Her name is Ashley, though. And uh, Mike from Eve University could have talked about their stories and how they started, but. Uh, but, you know, time was short. Mike Kingswell? Kingswell. Yeah, Mike Kingswell. Yeah, I, I remember him from when I was with them. He's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's a nice, funny guy. And a uh, little, little teaser, you're going to hear uh, pickup lines, one from CCP Aurora that is a killer. So look, look for that. Look forward so to what you're saying is Sunday we're gonna have a great interview about the Poshman stuff with Arcia and gonna be playing this amazing interview with TCP. Sounds like a great show already. Yeah. What time is that on Sunday? Sixteen hundred, the uh, usual time for the Sunday show. It turns into the podcast too. So if you don't catch it, you can see it on YouTube or you can listen to it on Talking In Stations, the podcast, the proper podcast. Uh, this is the improper podcast. Okay. So next thing, we did the uh, Trailblazers. So that event had a few hiccups at the beginning. They've extended the playtime for another two days to kind of make up for that, I think. Uh, so there's, uh, But it, things are going smoothly now, aren't they? Yeah, things are definitely uh, much more smoother now. There is one small issue where uh, CCP clarified that they don't want people um, going into these sites and denying other people the ability to partake in these sites. So um they're like gated and there's a limited number of people uh, allowed in them so if i was to enter into the site and just burn away a thousand kilometers and do nothing i would actually be, be denying someone else uh, the ability to come in and, and partake in the site um shooting the orcas as well and and making people uh, have the inability to turn in the ore is kind of considered uh, bad sportsmanship oh is it yeah yeah there is a post clarifying um what CCP kind of don't want, uh, the kind of behavior of people taking part in these sites. I dropped it in the podcast channel there. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, you're, you're allowed to kill them you're, if you're in low sec or null sec, right? But you, you can't deny their content by the game mechanics, right? Yes, absolutely. You can still kill people uh, coming in and out of the sites, catch them on gates, bubbles, all the normal PvP rules are perfectly fine. You just can't be uh, a bad sportsman and deny someone else the ability to partake and get their name on the on the leaderboard and stuff. Yeah, I, think... I have a question. What about bumping? Bumping mining ships? Is that count as proper or improper? No, way of it, denying it's proper. I think that's in the game, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, there's I mean... also a way to like, I don't know, get people Well, I, I think from... what CCP was trying to say with that, and for those that don't know, we actually discussed this uh, with, uh, what was it, Caleb and Hateless uh, the other day. And we had it, we stumbled upon this area of kind of a gray zone, like what constitutes uh, jamming up the machine. You can't jam up the game. Don't jam up the machine that prevents players from being able to play with the machine. You can compete against them. You can outplay each other. And there's all kinds of different ways to do that, but you can't jam the machine so they can't play. That's what basically CCP is saying. Bumping, I don't think, is considered jamming up the machine. It's um, it's gameplay, I think. Arguably, good sportsmanship is contrary to the spirit of EVE. 
Not true. That's not true. Not I true. disagree hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, yeah, it's like saying the natural state of uh, humans is to kill each other, and it's not. It's cooperation is their natural state. They people normally want to come together because the ones that wanted to kill each other they evolved out of existence. So what you have now are people who are tuned to try to figure out their place in a pack and uh, work together. So, uh, but the problem with Eve or the, uh, the thing about Eve that makes it special is you have lots of different little packs competing. So against each other's pack, yeah, there's competition, but inside the pack there's cooperation. All right. I think I was just going to say, I think because like ganking and, and other activities which in other games would be considered almost bannable offenses are kind of allowed in eve online because it is this shared uh, universe or storyline we're building um you know like griefing and and underhanded backhanded deals but i think there's a difference between having a character and role-playing a bad guy and and pulling off an activity in game like stealing a bank or dropping sov or you know dropping your corporation or something versus bad sportsmanship and and yeah. denying someone else content and and the ability for well in this case it's like well we've created this event for players to partake in and then someone slides in from the outside it's not normal gameplay it's an event and let me screw your event up yeah yeah absolutely time. a time limited event so, by the way, I love this art, Alpha, if you did this great artwork. I'm a graphic designer myself. You can't really tell by the way talking in stations look, but I am a graphic designer. <clears throat> but this is great. The one exception I had with it was uh, we were trying to figure out what the uh, barges were, which ones, and you have one of each there. But the porpoise is in there, and it turns out the porpoise can't participate in this event. So we thought that was kind of funny. I uh, thought you might switch out the porpoise for something else that could actually participate. Unless that's been changed. Switch, switch nothing. I love the porpoise. <laughs> Touch the porpoise and you get it. Right. All right. Well, uh, then they should maybe have it be able to participate, which I think they were talking about. So not sure what happened there. Yeah. Okay. Um, next topic, shall we? Let's get on with some of the news here. Uh, we talked about this yesterday, so very briefly. I think we actually showed it on on the game, but there's a free skin if you uh, purchase. If you decide to purchase uh, Omega this month, you get a free Rattlesnake skin with it, and it's uh, quite beautiful. You can't see it really well here, but it's lit up. Uh, it has red uh, highlights on the uh, top and the sides there that are, that are really cool. I think they even blink, or they radiate pretty well anyway, so you should check that out. Uh, and what's cool about this, and I asked this question too, does that mean that this costs $20 if you subscribe for Omega? And the answer is no. The answer is it only costs $15. Pop quiz guys, why does it only cost $15 instead 15 of 15 is the price of a monthly sub. Yes, 10 points. That's yeah, right. the Rattlesnake is one of my favorite ships, so I might as well look into that. Yeah, it's not a bad I'm price. not going to lie. I don't fly the rattlesnake. Um, but after seeing the skin in game, I might actually buy Omega and train it to a rattlesnake. <laughs> but the it? price of rattlesnakes going up. Like well, it is It is my second favorite uh, mission ship, is the, is the rattlesnake. Well, yesterday we looked at, uh, Shen and I looked at the market, and we were looking at faction battleships and faction cruisers, and we are looking at Treglavian uh loot as well to see how those prices uh well the triglavian prices have bottomed out or they've fallen quite a bit since uh poshman has been kind of opened up for travel a little bit easier so those prices are half of what they were before and on the other hand of course the production changes have really changed faction battleships or faction ships in general because they require so many uh, more minerals not minerals materials to build with from various corners of the galaxy and some of those are bottlenecked through a uh, complicated pi that you have to build or even new blueprints that you have to build um, uh, to get the pieces that you need to make the ships therefore the prices are just incredibly high right now uh, even though on the market uh, the 
chip is like 940 million. We were looking at it and it's, you know, the build cost for it is much higher than that. It's a crazy amount. Yeah. I think it was like 2.4 billion. Yeah. 2.4 billion to build, it to build. without the BBC. So. Yeah, and I expressed, actually, somebody really took me to task in the YouTube comments saying like, you know, you weren't prepared, you should have hit buy all and you could have seen the bottleneck and all this other stuff. And he's not wrong. But I kind of don't want to look at prices right now because I don't think they're real. And this gets recorded. And so, you know, I'm not saying that we don't look at prices because when we're talking about long-term investment, we're not talking about day trading, which you worry about. Is, you know, price going up, price going down, is going up fast, is going up slow, going down slow. Uh, we look at massive trends. So if you're, for the difference is if you're trying to surf a wave, for instance, then you want to, you care about the little signs that you're looking at. Is it, is it the right wave to hit? Am I going to do this or not? Uh, we don't, I don't work that way. I look at the tide is, uh, is it four o'clock? You know, is the moon in the right place? Okay, then I don't look at prices. I don't look at that kind of stuff uh, because I'm not really, I'm not really trying to make a little bit of money. I'm trying to bet on the future. It's a different type of investing. So yeah, I think that kind of investing you're you're talking about a minimum of six to twelve months to to see real minimum. Yeah, I uh, hold things for yeah. years, two years, three years. Uh, so yeah, it's a so anyway, the guy was right. Um, but at the same time, I, I didn't make clear that's a different style. He liked yeah, you, there's though, a lot Shen. of things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say there's a lot of things affecting the prices. And one thing is everyone rage building and building as much as they can before the changes, the industry changes last month, um, because that's really locks in your value for the long term. And so there's been so much produced that there's just an oversupply, you All know, right, in the that, direct short term. Yeah. Sorry about that. Last topic here. Uh, that I have, and then we can talk about other stuff, is that on June 5th, we're going to be trying a new, sorry, this is from CCP Fozzie, again, who was just on the uh, the Universe show from Ash Jarothi. Check that out on Ash Jarothi's Twitch channel. He writes here, uh, then on June 5th, we are going to be trying something new, an experimental, a 24-hour proving ground from downtime June 5th until downtime June 6th, there will be a special 1v1 Battleship Proving Ground event with a repeatable event challenge to help with ship costs. What's a repeatable event challenge? So they, they did this recently, one of the last free-for-alls, where if you go into the free-for-all event, like or the Proving Ground event, initially you get like a 5 million reward. And then if you do 2,000 damage, you get 10 million. And then if wow. you survive a minute, you get 5 million and, and this stuff. So there was, um, I forget which one exactly. I think there was like a cruiser, battle cruiser event. But if you did one Proving Ground, you and even if you lost and got completely blown up, you probably made money. Uh, Hateless was talking about this last month. You just doing one and getting to the end and getting blown up would actually probably earn you a profit. Yeah, let me just deal with some... Goodbye. Um, that's really cool because one of the interesting things that CCB was experimenting with when they made those uh, NPC satios was high-risk um, and high-risk group content, but a single reward. It, it dropped... A satio would drop a blueprint or two normally that were invaluable. And so part of the design was, are you going to fight over this blueprint or are you going to figure out how to share it after you sell it? And are you going to trust your compatriots to not take your cut, you know, after they go to the market? And so this to me seems like the reverse, the, um, which is to, to, to let people, uh, incrementally win ISK so that it's not an all or nothing proposition so that they can continue to participate. And that is the opposite of what they did for the, uh, the TO. It's interesting. I wonder if that'll help. Yeah, uh, especially I mean, with it being a battleship event and battleships being kind of expensive right now. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, and, uh, Swift oh. mentions in there that it's, a uh, it's an offset subsidy. Yeah. You know, 
because of the current battleship prices. So if you take an empty ship in there, you'll get nothing when it blows up. But if you take a properly fitted ship, then there's there's some uh, you know some some payback. Like an insurance, it sounds like. Uh, Shen, you were saying. Yeah. I was, I was going to say for the Sotils things that you're going to mention, like the NPC Sotils in Nosek, um, in, in a way, it is encouraging uh, group work, but there's a mechanic, which is the more people you bring in, the more the bigger the responsibility is going to be. So nowadays, people just use three dread bombs, and they can just like, tank everything and then blow it up. So it's not really a group uh, gameplay at all. It's just one person either multiboxing or just three people. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else on this? Uh, any of you guys participated in this uh, sort of thing? We have other TIS guys that have, but I don't know if you guys have. I've done a few proven grounds. They're good fun. Yeah. I mean, I guess one thing that Chad brought up, which is interesting, is the Praxis, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that thing is really cheap compared to other battleships. It's about half of the price. And it can, with these bonuses, it's really good at anything, basically. Well, there's a second part to this. I'll just read it. There's actually, that was the second of three. This is the third, he says, and this is CCP Fozzy again. And then from June 18th to 22nd, there will be a special Galente Federation Day pro proving ground event full of Galente cruisers and assault frigates. That's to commemorate the Galente Federation. All right, that's all part of this uh, foundations quadrants that we talked about with CCP and some of the festivities they have. It's a good time to get involved with your environment. All right, that's all the news that we have on the docket here. Do you guys have anything you want to talk about? Uh, in face of all this, I guess we skipped this yesterday on the show, but uh, XX and basically Fire uh, wiped out a bunch of IGC iHubs in face of all this. Let's check the iHubs here. That's TCU ownership. Let's look for iHubs. Yeah, we did talk about it, didn't we? In in this, no, maybe we didn't. I don't think we talked about it on the show. Yeah, so in the middle part, uh, right? Of Fizzabalis. XIX. Yeah, XIX, Razor, Unreal, basically Fire Coalition. Who is IGC? Is that Nvidia, Gloria, Comis. So they used to be yeah. legacy renters, but then uh, a couple months ago they decided to break Stop free paying. of legacy. They stopped paying rent. They were squatters. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, you have, so, you have to pay the price. So so notice they're picking up space uh, in the middle here, and that is a position of power in a region. If you have capital ships, because you project to five light year radius or so something like that allows you to kind and of also nx 5w tag u that system uh there i think there's a keepstar and a sotio in there so i think we're waiting for the uh gemmers to be able to get online so we can gem that system and kill the keepstar i think that's a plan right now but just a standard thing to do after all those uh keepstar died in Adele. So right now, jamming a system and then go for the Keepstar, I think, so right, just yeah. the right way to do it. Yeah. So that there's a Keepstar in NX5W, and that's what they're isolating and going to destroy. Okay. Well, um, I wonder if they had the option to like pay up back rent or something. Like, I wonder what options were giving to given to them diplomatically. Curious about that. I think no matter what, I think we have to have the control of iHubs. If they want to pay for the rent, if they want to keep renting this place, they have the option. I think that's how it's going to go. But because the iHub is really important, right? If you, if you give the iHub to IGC, they still have the option to rebel against you. So if you take the iHub away from them, at least you have the uh, option to basically put them down when they well, tries to uh, tries to rebel. I think that's how it goes. I'm not entirely sure with soft. All right, cool. So that's uh, Faith the Ballas. You can see it up here. And XIX kind of, I believe they're kind of out of the war right now. I know that's a bold statement. I don't mean it to be because they're clearly still in, in they can still seriously engage in, at any time, but uh, they're probably waiting on 
some bigger events to participate fully. I believe that they're actually back in this area pacifying it and uh, doing some legacy cleanup, some cleanup work for legacy, I think. Well, most of the timers in the war are outside of their peak time zone. They're predominantly Russian. Well, XIX so, is, I don't know if Fire Coalition is. They have Razor in there. Uh, fire is yeah, Russian. Fire is, as a whole, primarily Russian. So okay. I don't think it's there. It's fair to say that they're out of the war. It's just that, that since... Uh, the war is mostly occurring outside of their peak time zone. They also have to worry about keeping their members occupied. I mean, but there's activity and I don't buy it. There's activity in Dell like all day long. Uh, I just think there's stuff to do over here uh, where they need to make a difference. And, uh, you know, fraternity's doing the same thing. XIX is doing the same thing. That doesn't mean those cool. Uh, Pappy is breaking up, but they really have, uh, the Imperium in a corral, right? And uh, Imperium doesn't have the choices that it had before. It can't um, project power from that place uh, over Delve or neighboring regions as well as it could. So with Imperium in a pen, these guys are free to do other work should they want to. There's no point in sitting around uh, testing Imperium's strength by helping Pappy fleets here and there, they're just not going to make a huge difference doing that. So this makes total sense to me. I think NC Dot is doing the same thing. I think Fraternity is doing the same thing. A lot of these groups are living uh, dual lives. They're they're coming home for the weekends, and then they're uh, or the other way around. They're weekend warriors, but they're coming home for the weekdays. But they are definitely starting to figure out like what their what the cruising altitude is for this war, and I I think that's what's going on here. Which yeah, the Imperium is successfully holding the line. I'm I'm just not quite sure uh, if they're uh, achieving much beyond that. But they're successfully what's, holding the line for now. Yeah, well, what's to achieve beyond holding the line for the Imperium? That's what they've got to do. Uh, I suppose rolling back some progress, uh, but that to me seems like um something that might come later I'm not sure here's one dq this is the headquarters of the imperium they are uh, all the way into this constellation we'll look at it here that's the constellation that is still you can see condi still belongs to them but everything else is taken over by uh happy forces you have test you have recon negative 10 is pandemic legion and uh, nc dots and so forth Wrecked is a horde. So this is really like where the Empire is now, but it's a very condensed and uh, dense, dense um, area with lots of thousands of people in it, thousands and thousands that are putting up a resistance, mostly around this area right here, 3-TAC-D. That's where a lot of the fights are. And if you see a breach, that's the one that they will have. We've explained this before, but I'll explain it to this audience again, that the reason the fights are happening here is because there is a bridge from T5Z to ETAC-K, and then they attack this way. Well, the, the, the other big reason is that that's the other entrance to the constellation. Right. I'll explain that with this graphics. Uh, so T5Z, again, staging for Pappy has to come in here that's the only other way in order to attack there or there or there or any of these areas and this area is incredibly fortified so they're basically going through the back door here and that's why the fight that back door is also pretty he heavily fortified as well well let's talk about that how what's it been like you're fighting on the pappy side of things there right Right, I'm a member of uh, Capital Fusion, which is a corporation in Pandemic Horde. Okay, you're in Horde. What's 3TACD been like over the last few days? Well, the past couple of days, uh, ha there haven't been as many big fleets, but usually a couple times per, per week at least, we try to go in and see what we can do. 
I'm not, I'm not in any of the big planning channels and command channels, but I've really liked being in the Harpy fleets the headliner has run. Most of the time when I've joined those, it's been because I lost a, a heavy assault cruiser and was reshipping to, and that was the fleet available. But I've really liked being in headliners fleets, for example. Yeah, the Blarpy. Oops, have an Ajax error. If I can get some kills, and we'll check out Z Killboard. Well, ton of capsules. Looks like something went down with Northern Coalition and Caracals. Has the fight been yep. mostly even? I've heard bombing runs were very successful early on for the Imperium. Then they became less successful. And then I've heard um, switching tactics. And it's it's really been interesting to watch these FCs come up with things. And then the last uh, big fight later. The last big fight was on Tuesday, I believe, which uh, the Imperium uh, was pretty clearly victorious. I lost three harpies, I think, which that's what they're for. Uh, the thing is that the bit, the big thing that it was being tried in that fight was that test brought a battleship fleet through, which I'm not sure I would have uh, uh, picked that, but I I haven't let any fleets in pretty much a year and never at that level so i'm not sure i'm i can i know enough to question this they all got blown up i just yeah it did not go well for tests battleship fleet yeah you're um, using battleship fighting fighters which is uh i mean it's kind of predictable right Right, they're gonna be wiped out. I'm fairly sure they didn't have any prop mods either, so they had to like slow boat back to the gate. And I don't know if they all got blown up, but I'm fairly sure almost all of them got blown up. I think the only prop mod that they have is like a jump drive, which doesn't really count as a prop mod. Yeah, they brought micro jump drive abaddons. Okay, I think guardians as uh, logies. So yeah. All right. It's uh, not what I would have picked, but... All right. Goon, Goon Swarm looks like they picked up about 5,000 kills uh, in the last... I don't know what I'm looking. I think it's a week, seven days. And that's uh, about twice as much as Pandemic Horde, but about the same as Pandemic Horde and Tess put together. And then when you start adding in Brave Coalition and Northern Coalition and Fraternity, uh, that starts to add up. So that gives you an idea of uh, some of the amount of ships that are being destroyed. It doesn't tell you how much these things are worth or even what kind of replacement cost and not just cost, but what kind of replacement effort is necessary. We talked about this with Kenneth Feld a few days ago when um, Pappy was saying, hey, we've knocked out a lot of their fighters. And I just thought, well, that's curious. Isn't that a waste of time? Shouldn't you be blowing up ships? And I thought about it. It doesn't really matter because they're so close to home they can reship. At the last... Uh, Imperium fireside chat. You heard Matani saying, "Here's a hero. He he jumped into. Uh, he reshipped eight times." At that point, I'm thinking that's just like a fighter because they they keep coming back. So it really doesn't matter. You're not knocking somebody all out of the fight uh, anytime soon in that kind of a scenario. So a fighter is a logical target. What I think I found out later from talking to Kenneth was T2 fighters are a real pain to build. Oh, yeah. And you don't want to use T2 fighters when T1 will suffice because of the logistical issues. Right. And T1 fighters are rather quick to build, but uh, you can see that after the fights that Pappy did well in uh those actually looked like they caused the imperium to uh run out of fighters on the 1dq market or something because they were bringing jump freighters full with t2 fighters in to resupply the what they'd been losing yeah 
So, uh, let's see, a little... I'm pulling here a comment from the crowd here. Uh, it's been a year of these stories, all the same, uh, only the system names change. No, I've been watching this war since the beginning, obviously, reporting on it, sometimes live. And this has not been the same. Uh, to me, this is, a, this is definitely a war, war of attrition. We knew it would be. We're actually quite shocked that we have seen the destruction of 3,000 to 4,000 on in just Delve and the surrounding areas, 3,000 to 4,000 structures. That is an enormous amount of work. Uh, we've seen um, progress made. We've seen like a railroad being built out of Keepstars from Catch all the way into Aquarius and into NPC Delve. That's phenomenal that somebody could do that, that some group could do that. It wasn't one group, it was multiple groups working together. Uh, we've seen the Imperium uh, do incredible things to uh, defend Keepstars, defend their territory from Keepstars being dropped. And we've seen them go head to head with this uh, gigantic group of Pappy fighters in M2. These are not these are not usual events. It's not the same thing, but this is a grinding war with some highlights. And uh, again, I did a speech at uh, E-Vegas about the continuum of war and that war is just constant, but you have flashpoints of memories from big fights. And that's what we're seeing. You just have this constant, this continuum of war with flashpoints of activity that uh, sear your memory because they're just so incredibly big and uh, so much is lost and so much is at stake. And sometimes it's a very, very creative gameplay. So no, I don't think it's all the same, just a, a different day. What you're seeing now, make no mistake, is a constant restricting and pressuring of the Imperium. But the Imperium is condensed down to its bones and it's a lot harder than, you know, uh, constricting uh, all the fleshy parts. So it is going to get a lot harder. It's going to stay a very difficult uh, time here, but we really are at the bone cracking stage for Pappy if they make progress. On the other hand, you have uh, the armadillo that is the Imperium that has only yet begun to fight and will uh, essentially outlast that, uh, that uh, python that is... Uh, restricting their movement, their gameplay, and everything else. And, and maybe they tire it out and then get to fight back and reconquer or uh, take their revenge in one way or another. I think it's very dramatic. It's just slow moving. So uh, I take issue with that. So we do look at it, but we look for pivotal fights and we look for um, fractures in uh, the landscape of war. And that's what we try to report on. So we don't cover it every day, but but we are watching it every day. And it's, it's, it's going to be a fight for the ages, for sure. I think I, another, um, another, interesting, oh, was, is another interesting point is many of the prior wars in EVE, there's you know one cataclysmic fight and one side leaves or quits. This has, you know, we've had a couple of really big hooking and jabbing matches and nobody's backing down and it's staying alive. So hats off to both sides, man. Yeah, I think um, a World War One equivalent is, uh, or comparison is, is right. Like you had four years of war. You had trench fighting, you know, two, two massive armies grinding against each other every day in the trenches. But if you go back and you look at a six or a 12-month campaign, we generally call it the Battle of the Somme or the Battle of this, right? So... There's actually so much work that goes into these daily grinds and these daily struggles, and it just gets sums up with one name. So uh, I think you made a great point there about the, the flashes in the pan. Um, M2, I think, was a big one. Some of the first keep stars going down were some big ones. But uh, yeah, hats off to the Imperium, because I don't think any other alliance would have lasted this long. You know, we're coming up on 12 months of war. They have been reduced down to a constellation and they are still having just as much fun as the day they started. And if you take a random pilot from either side of the of the war right now and you ask them who's winning, they both say they're winning. Both of their morale is high. I mean, 
I think it's an incredible achievement. And and one thing you mentioned is the you know the amount of structures that the Imperium have lost, and I think that's just also a testament to what they had managed to build over the last number of years in Delve, and also a testament to what Pappy's forces have managed to destroy uh, over the last year in Delve. But it really is. I mean, this is just the beginning of a new stage, right? This is the next level now. And how long will this will this deep, dark grinding in these seven systems uh, go on for before one side eventually starts to crack? Agent Blackbear says, uh, yeah, well, they, feels like still six months from conclusion. Go ahead, Nick. I was going to say, uh, yeah, Agent Blackbear, he's, he and I have been kind of chatting back and forth here and there, but he brings up a really good point is that Morale, he says, is you know, and he's an Imperium member, is higher than he's seen since M2. So it feels different to him and his compatriots. So they're having fun. The Pappy folk I've talked to, they're having fun. So it's like, well, let it roll, man. Keep mm-hmm. swinging. Where are all the miserable people? Where are my people? Like, war is supposed to be misery. Uh, you know, the it'll, Eve, it'll get Eve miserable. players, especially... Eve players, especially the Null side, like the fights. Even the low sec guys in Wormhole, they like the fights. They're getting fights after fight after fight. So it's like, hey, drive on. Well, the misery yeah, is the coming who, hasn't arrived yet. Go ahead, Abby. I, I think the guys who wanted to avoid some of the misery have already left, or they have their alts in high sec, and everyone left deep down in the trenches is just in it for the content and for the, the, the pure fun of the fight. And also, I guess I want to go back to the fighter thing. Why is it so hard to build T2 fighters? So building a fighter is not the same as building, let's say, a T2 drone. So for T2 drone, you need basically the T1 based material and one advanced uh, T2 component. But for fighter, it's the same as building a T2 ship, which means that you need all five uh, ratio advanced components in order to build one T2 fighter, and plus more fight and guidance system, which is a PI. That means you have to farm PI and mine more fight in a huge amount at the same time in order to uh, resupply resupply all the fighters that you lost in a fight. And right now, if we look at the true sec of uh, of that constellation, the only uh, true minus 1.0 um, system in Delft is 3TACB. So unless they're mining... Uh, from anomalies, we're importing more fights. Uh, the, they are going to have a hard time uh, resupplying T2 fighters. Let's look at that. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, so I mean, since they, they have to be importing or um, or mining anomalies. Yeah, yeah, both are both are possible. I mean, there's also wormholes. There's, I mean, there's lots of ways to get in and out. Oh my God! Don't get me started on wormholes. Uh... No, don't. Is, Jesus, no. Let's do it. No. no okay. Well, okay. No. But I mean, they're, they're I'm just qu- saying. The question is: so, quick- Is Nullsec in? Is Nullsec getting into wormholes uh, and actually uh, mining the heck out of it, or harvesting the heck out of it and raising those? What you see on the graph, the uh, the worth of the blue loot coming out of wormholes, has really trended up in the last few months. Is that is that Nullsec, or is that? It's everybody. It's everybody, but um. Not me. I kind of don't want to talk about this because there's something in the works. There's actually some great, uh, some great material being done, and we'll have a show very soon about some of the cool statistics coming out of wormholes. I don't want to give too much away. I don't know what I can say. All right. Um, Even ask what's wrong with wormholes. Nothing. Nothing is wrong with them. These aren't the wormholes you're looking for. Yeah. Well, Poshman said the same thing. Uh, I don't know if wormholers are saying that, but um, sometimes it depends on who you talk to. Uh, but yeah, people people who are satisfied that are satisfied with their gameplay don't want it to change. Why would you? If you're satisfied with it, you don't want it to change. Um, I think it's people who feel I, like it's not quite right. Most real wormhole corpse that live in wormholes that yeah, you know they fight in wormholes, they bleed in wormholes, they cry, they love it. Uh, they want their PVE sites to be harder and more riskier. They don't really like these massive roach fleets that can just hoover up mad amounts of isk and blue loot. And and if you try and drop on them, they just warp away immediately. One ship uh, gets caught. Um, So 
either the people with farm holes, whether they be other more careberry wormholers or their null sec groups looking to uh, make a lot of money on the side, or they're even high seckers who've heard about this stuff, whoever it is. Um, the people who are extracting ridiculous amounts of bisque out of the wormholes want to are, are in a different camp than the real wormholers who want more risk and, and more danger. Uh, just, uh, you know, describe what roaching fleets are since that's come up. I've heard of hobo fleets. I think roaching fleets might be the same thing. But what are they? Yeah, it's it's just essentially. Um, I mean, I guess roaches run around and eat up all the crumbs or something. I don't know where they come from, but it's uh, you would have uh, fleets of remote repping ships, often uh, like Lashaks maybe or something. Um, you usually use like two Lashaks, two Nesters. That's a decent combo. Uh, but it can scale infinitely. Um, I'm not a pro on this, so if anyone wants to correct me in the um, mm-hmm. well, in the comments, that'd be great. I don't run a mad C5 roaching farm hole, but you get like two nesters, two lashaks. You'd be able to remote rep and put out ridiculous amounts of damage. And the way the wormhole sites work is, uh, and then you'd like have capitals. I think you can run dreads or do the capital spawn the drifters. Anyway. Long story short, these, the rats in the site only scram one person and one ship at a time. So if I come in there with a fleet trying to kill them, there's only one person who is scrammed. And then uh, the other three guys can micro jump away. They're 100k off. Then they warp away. They all get away. And the hunters only get one kill. So what a lot of the big wormhole groups would like is uh, for like, a simple uh, solution would be for the rats to spread their points and scrams and that way the whole fleet is vulnerable rather than one uh, ship being vulnerable at a time. Well, there's also that issue of uh, Poshman filaments to escape also. Yeah, that's true. Um, The fact that uh, filaments work in wormholes to get out, that's also an issue with like evictions and stuff. If you've got a lot of expensive things, you can load them up into a ship and then uh, fill them out with a null sec or poshman or whatever. But, so it's like a wormhole uh, version of asset safety. With evacuating via filament, you are limited in what you can carry because the largest cargo you can bring is in a deep space transport. I don't know how much, uh, how much space this uh, blue loot takes, but that's 50k just in the free hangar. I think 60k was the highest scale, so that's a lot of space. Deep space transport maxed out fleet hangar is 62.5 at full skills, and then whatever the uh, it's another 3,000 in the regular cargo hold. Oh, I think an orca is it okay? Is it possible if you can fill them out in orca? You can't that fill them into okay. an orca, okay. No, no, you can always safe log an, an orc in a wormhole though and get it a month later. That's acid safety. It just ties up a character if you safe log it off and wait long enough. All right. We have got to wrap up. It is time. We'll leave you with this image here. This beautiful image. Uh, Alpha was asking about. We're headed over to open comms. We're going to continue the party over there. Uh, special appearance by. Well, I won't say who. It'll be a special appearance on open comms in just a minute. I want to say thanks to the guys here at Talking in Stations for hanging out. We're not going to go any further into wormholes. Uh, there is a effort being made to do special wormhole show uh, specifically for wormholers by wormholers. And we'll encourage you to check that out so they can speak in their own voice about their own issues and stuff. And then we can talk about them outside of their own their existence in a different way. Um, and um, if we got anything wrong tonight, don't forget to hop on our Discord mm-hmm. where you have a wormhole channel and you can uh, give out to us there about what we got wrong and uh, correct the uh, record. That'd be great. Right. I'm we... sure you didn't need to remind people to correct us when we get wrong. People like to, <laughs> when someone's wrong on the internet, correct them. Engagement is engagement, yo. Yeah. Yeah, check out Astrothi's videos on his uh, his CSM interviews that he's doing. He's doing a lot of work for uh, for you guys to get to know CSM people and check that out. We may actually uh, put a slate together this year. We're talking about it right now, actually, because we have such great people that help us here at Talking in Stations as far as uh, 
you know, from all over the game, um, subject matter experts like Suetonia or Arcia, Teddy for wormholers, uh, and so forth. So there's just a lot of really good experts that are part of Talking in Stations that are actually running on their own merits, you know, with their own history and skills at offer. But we want to endorse them and we want to say, these guys, we know them, we've worked with them, they're capable of working in a group environment, they're responsive, they're responsible, and these are incredibly talented and smart people. And we just got to tell you, they're good people to vote for. Your vote won't be wasted. So we'll do that probably later on uh, this week. But that's it for now. I want to say thanks to uh, Abby for staying up so late over there in Europe. And uh, Hey, no problem. Got some, someone's got to fill in for poor uh, Rundle, who's feeling under oh, the yeah. weather today. Hopefully Rundle gets better. Uh, drink better, some hot man. lemon. Yeah. And uh, Shen and Nick Bison and Gregorin, thank you guys for hanging out with us. And thank you for watching Talking Stations. We will see you this weekend on Sunday, 1600, for the weekend report. Until then, fly safe.